Open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. This morning is a very important message for us to hear and to understand this morning. In fact, it is a vital message. It is a foundational truth for us to be sure of as followers of Jesus Christ. It really is at the very core of our gospel, of our good news. Throughout our study, now 29 messages, today the 30th message, six chapters into the gospel of John, we are hearing and we are seeing that God's love is amazing. God's love is radical. God's love is for all people. And that is his message to a lost world, hurting in their sin. God so loves. Well, the gospel is because of his love, he has made a way for sinners to be saved. He is, Jesus is our Savior. He is the hope of sinners. He is the remedy for sin. And that surely is the good news. That is tremendous news. Well, there is a huge question in that message. Now, that is the message. We have heard it. But there is a huge question in that message. And that question is, how does that apply to me? Is there something I must do to be saved? Is there something I must do to be saved? Do I have to join a church, a certain church? Do I have to be baptized? Do I have to do something or perhaps some things? Is there something I must do to be saved? Or is there something I have to stop doing? in order to be saved. Is that how it works? Do I have to somehow muster up strength or somehow have some great willpower to stop doing something in order to be saved? Or does it just happen? Am I at the decision of God just saved, either with all people or with some select group of people? Does God just say uh, to, to people, you are saved? It is a huge question. It is an important question. What does it take to be saved? What does it require to be saved? What is involved in your salvation? Today's message is entitled, The Work of God. The Work of God. We're in John chapter 6, today verses 26 through 29. John chapter 6, today verses 26 through 29. The Work of of God. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 26. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Verse 28, Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him 
whom he has sent. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today, we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for the truth, Jesus. We're thankful for the forgiveness of our sins through the finished work of our Savior. We're thankful that today on this day in a, in a weird, messed up world, that we do have hope, that we do have peace, that we do have security today. Lord, we're thankful for the ability to gather this morning and to, to sing your praises, to long for your coming. Lord, I pray now as we begin to study your word, I, I pray that it would be marvelous. I pray that you would speak. I pray that it would truly be a, a supernatural event. We know you've said your word is living and active. We pray, Lord, that it would teach us this morning, that it would guide us this morning, that it would stir us this morning. I pray if there are some and perhaps many that do not know you, I pray in the hearing of good news that today may be the day of their salvation. Lord, again, we thank you. We do praise you. We do exalt you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the sixth chapter of John, John has been revealing to us, and he's going to keep doing it, some huge truths about Jesus. As you look at this sixth chapter, he's showing us some really profound truths about Jesus and his gospel. Now, if you remember, in a staggering, staggering miracle, Jesus has fed the great multitude. We saw that it's as many as perhaps 20,000 people there with women and children. And so he has performed this great miracle. Many people uh, witnessed it. Many people heard about it. And right at this instant, Jesus is at the pinnacle of his popularity during his earthly ministry. It is at this point, having done this tremendous miracle with all of the things together, that he is at the pinnacle of his popularity during his earthly ministry. People are actually flocking to Jesus. They are actually clamoring to find and to see Jesus. If you remember, Jesus and his disciples have made their way back across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. If you remember the account from yesterday, last night, the crowd has followed him there as well. Now, all of them in boats, Jesus walked. That's preacher humor. Verse 25, let's look at our verses. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Now they say, when did you get here? But they saw the boat leave. They saw that he wasn't in it. Really, they want to know, how did you get here? And that brings us to our verses today. All right, starting in verse 26. <clears throat> Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus starts off the verse, truly, truly. Uh, it is a statement that means this is the truth. It is a, it is a heavy uh, evidence of the truth. This is the truth. It is a statement that marks this as a crucial statement. And so when he says, truly, truly, he is saying, this is the truth, pay attention. It marks what is coming as an important, a vital, a crucial statement. 
Now notice here, Jesus doesn't mess around with their question, but instead he says, listen, here is the truth. Now he tells them, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now notice this, see this. It says, not because you saw signs. It's not the word here for miracles. It's actually a different word. It means signs. You see, they did see the miracles, but they missed the signs. And that's the point of all that. They did see the miracle. They couldn't deny the miracle, but they missed the sign. Now, remember, Jesus says those miracles, those works were testifying to him. That's what he said. These works are testifying to me that he is God, that he is divine, and that his message, that he is the Messiah, is the truth. And so he said, these miracles are testifying to me. They saw the miracles. They missed the signs. And so that's why they came. That's not why they've been looking all over for him. That's not why they had crossed the sea in this army of boats. But Jesus says, but it was because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Now, Jesus is telling us something about the crowd right there. In fact, he's telling us something about people right there. If you want to know what people are like, he's telling us this is what people are like. He's telling us about the crowd. He shows us here the crowd is driven by its desires. Now think about that in our day today. The crowd is driven by its desires. It's about what we want and what we want and what I want. The crowd is driven by its flesh. It's about what makes us happy, what makes us comfortable. What is it that that fills us up? And so the crowd is driven by its flesh. The crowd is driven by its pride. It's about you serving us. It's about a focus on us. It's about exalting us, centering on us. The crowd, people, we are driven by pride. And that is the natural inclination of the crowd. It's not about what is good, what what is right or wrong. It's not about what is logical. We see that today. It's not even about what is the truth. The crowd wants what it wants. The crowd is thirsty for its own satisfaction. That's what the crowd wants. Somebody please me. Somebody lift me up. The crowd wants what it wants. Well, Jesus says you are driven by your lust. That's what he's saying. Be very sure today, in these days that we're living in, be very sure our job is not to draw a crowd, and for sure our job, listen, is not to satisfy the crowd. We start to think, well, Christianity is about making everybody happy, Christianity is about not upsetting anybody. Christianity is making everybody feel good. Christianity is about satisfying the crowd today. Listen, our job is not to satisfy the crowd. Our job is to uphold Jesus. And be very sure, amen. Be very sure when we hold up a false idea of Jesus 
We are leading people to follow a false Jesus that does not exist. And I'll just tell you, if we go around, we tell people Jesus came that you'd never be sick. And there's folks that say that. Jesus came and by his stripes we're healed and we'll never be sick. If we go around and tell folks that, if we go around and tell folks Jesus came, that we would never have problems, that our problems would disappear if we have enough faith. If we go around and tell folks that in Jesus you could have all the money that you need, that's what he promises us is prosperity. Those ideas will have them chasing a Jesus that does not exist. About 10 or 12 years back, there was a man. He had a problem with alcohol, a real problem. And he ran into some folks, and really it was a crowd of folks, a crew of folks. And they told this man if he would say a certain thing, they had a book of what to say, but if he would say a certain thing, if he would claim a certain thing, if he would pray a certain prayer, that the demons that had caused this in his life, they would be identified and they would be bound and they would be removed. And they said, if you'll do these things, that he would not be an alcoholic in that instant. And then in the power of Jesus, he would no, never have a problem again with alcohol. It will be settled in that instant. Now, friend, let me say this. I want you to find that in the Bible, first off. Find me that formula in the Bible. The, the, the notebook they had, it wasn't the Bible. And they told him that. And he believed them. He believed it. He did that. And he said he was saved. And he jumped up and down and he rejoiced. He actually jumped up and down. And it, man, this, this disease, this alcoholism, it caused him such grief, such trouble. And, and, and he cried and he rejoiced and he said he was saved. About two weeks later, oh, he didn't want to. Oh, he hoped that he, he would never do it again. He, he hoped not to, but about two weeks later, he fell back in. Two weeks later, I don't know what happened to him. Somehow he got somewhere and, and the temptation was still there and he gave in to it. The problem was still there. This group popped up and they said this. Well, he didn't have enough faith. They blamed him. He didn't have enough faith. And then they, they couldn't blame it all on him, so they started to blame it on others. Maybe somebody in the group, they didn't have enough faith. I don't know what y'all were doing. I had enough, but somebody here didn't have enough faith. Then they started to scramble around in their notebook. Well, maybe we did it wrong. We did it wrong. Maybe we just did it partially. He got two weeks out of it. Let's do it again. He took it that Jesus wasn't powerful, that the gospel wasn't true, and the church is a lie. That's how he took it. This man went away. His marriage fell apart. He got divorced. His life today has never recovered. His wife's life has never recovered. Their kids are now grown. They've walked away. And the truth is this. When you hold up a false idea of Jesus, you lead people to chase a false Jesus. Well, that's what this crowd, they, they, they wanted what it wanted. 
Like all crowds, they wanted what it wanted. If you'll just satisfy me, if you'll just give me what I want. It's not our job to satisfy the crowd. It is our job to hold up the truth of Jesus. Jesus tells it like it is. Verse 26 again. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Verse 27. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Jesus says, your focus is on the temporary. He says, your focus is on those things that would fade away. Your, your focus, your work, your effort is on the things that do not last. Now listen, he's not telling them not to eat. He's not telling them not to work. No, he is warning them of a system that only feeds their temporary lust. He says, work for that which endures. It means last to eternal life. Friends, be very sure today. Do not be misled today. The thought of the world is this is it. That's the thought of the world. This is, this is what matters. It's all about now. It's about success now. It's about pleasure now. It's about wealth now. It's about esteem now. It's about comfort now. And so we burn and we run and we chase the now. That's the way of the world. That's the message of the world. We're grinding and we're going and we're going and it's all about the now. And it does not pay. It does not pay. Let me tell you, I believe today in 2021, and we have more stuff than ever. We, we have more stuff than ever. We got, we've got more places to go. And we got more things to see. And we got things we hold in our hands that do things that, that NASA's computer couldn't do 30 years ago. Today in 2021, more stuff than ever, we are hurting. Our culture, our homes, our kids, our hearts are hurting, I would say, more than ever. And you know what the world's answer is? Run harder. That's the world's answer. Run harder. Go faster. It's still here. The answer is still here. Get you some of that. Run harder. That's the world's answer. Well, Jesus kindly warns them, do not chase that. It does not pay. It will leave you empty. Don't invest your breath there. Do not chase that. But rather the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Now see this. The food that results in eternal life, here's what the verse says. The Son of Man provides. The food that results in eternal life, the Son of Man provides. And, and God the Father, God has testified. God the Father has confirmed. He has set his full seal on the Son of Man, on Jesus, on the Savior. Now what that means is, listen very carefully, salvation is found, it comes from Jesus. 
Listen, that's the point. Salvation is found. It comes from Jesus and in Jesus alone. We can quit looking. We can quit clamoring. We can quit chasing. We can quit running. Salvation is found in Jesus alone. He provides salvation. And they hear that. They hear that. And I don't, I don't know if they're quiet. I don't know if the, the, the crowd becomes hushed. I don't know if they're rebuked in that and they, they start to ponder and think. I think they're tired of serving their lusts. You ever get there? I think they're tired of thinking they found the hope. This is it! Only to see it crushed. You ever get there? I think they're tired, oh so tired of the trouble and the chaos and the drama of the world system. I think they're so tired. You ever get there? Verse 28. Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? The question of the ages. So what shall we do? So what, what should we do? What can we do? How do we please God? We, we hear what you're saying. How do we do anything about it? How do we please God? Now they don't understand God. They don't understand his gospel. But they ask the question, so what shall we do? What shall we do? Verse 28 again. Therefore they said to him, what shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now stay very close. Listen, listen closely. Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is the work of God. The word is, this is the work of God. The word is, in the Greek, in the original language, it's the same word we saw yesterday. It's the same word that Jesus said when he walked up yesterday. It is the Greek word that says this, I am. That's, a, well, that's literally what it translates. This is the work of God. And so flow with me. They say, what do we do? Jesus says, you can do nothing because I am the work of God. That's what he says. I am the work of God. I am the sign that you should search for. I am the salvation from God because I am the Savior of God. Jesus says, you have no work. I am the work. You have no effort in which you can boast because I am the work. That's why Paul says, we boast in Christ. Jesus says, I am the work and it is finished in me. I am the work and it is complete in me. There is nothing left undone. There's nothing left to do. I paid for sin and I paid for it all. Jesus says, I am the work. 
False religions say there's something to add. False religions say we're thankful for the head start. Now let us do something. False religions say let's do something and tip a set of scales. Jesus says, I am the work. And so what you do is you believe. That's what the verse says. Jesus tells them you're saved not in your work, but you're saved by believing and trusting in my work. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to me this morning. What do we do? How are we saved? What is our response? We hear about his tremendous love. We hear about his salvation offered through the cross of Calvary. What is our response? You're sitting here today. Maybe you're somewhere listening today and you're saying, what do we do? What is our response? Folks, it is to believe. We are saved in belief. We are made new in belief. We are forgiven of our sins only in belief. We are redeemed in belief. Outside of belief, we are hopeless. Outside of belief, we are lost. And so this crowd has come. They are tired and they are harried and they are hassled. This crowd has come and they're experts in the temporary They seek what will not last, they run after it. This crowd has come and they're expecting to find something else to do, some way that they can work for their salvation. And instead they hear the news is that it is finished. You can find peace. You can have rest. Oh, wouldn't you like to have rest? It is finished in Jesus if only you believe. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Jesus says, I am the work of God. And your response is to believe in him whom he has sent. The last part of the verse, I want to go slow here. It says, believe in him. We tell people that, believe in him. There's a lot of folks believe in him. Maybe they have a a misunderstood belief in him. The, The Bible says even the demons believe in him. We come along and say, believe in him. You'll be saved if you believe in him. We're saved in belief. We're saved in believing. Believe in him. What does that mean? It means this, and stay with me. We are created by an infinitely powerful and wise and loving God. And that's the truth. That's the starting place. That's why the world hates that starting place. We are created by an infinitely wise, he must be. Infinitely power, he had to be. Infinitely loving God. And we are created to walk with God. And that's a staggering thing to think about. We were created to be enjoyed by him and to enjoy fellowship with him. An awesome thing. We are created by that God to walk with him in fellowship. And yet we sin. Adam and Eve, they sinned. Each of us, we sin. And I'll tell you the truth, that sin is a rejection of God. We might like to make it easier than that. That sin is a rejection of God. That sin is a denial of his truth, of his word. That sin is to rebel against God. Sometimes we think, well, we got off track. Well, we messed up. No, we rebelled against him. 
And God is perfect and God is holy. Because of his nature, he can have no part of sin. God is perfect and he's holy and he's just. And so he judges sin. He must judge sin. He must punish it. And listen, we are guilty in our sin. We are condemned in our sin. The Bible says in our sin we exist as enemies of God. You're not neutral. I'm not. The Bible says the ultimate penalty is death. The book of Revelation calls it the second death, separation from God for all eternity in the reality of hell. That is the truth. We in our sin are ruined. We in our sin are ruined. Listen, there's no amount of good works that can change it. There's a lot of folks that say, yeah, I'll get so far from it, I'll do a bunch of good works. There's no amount of remorse that can fix it. There's no religious expression that can remedy it. Oh, I'll do all these things. In our sin, we are ruined. And yet God so loves. And he so loves that he is compassionate to us as sinners. He so loves that he is gracious to us as sinners. But while we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. And so in great love, God gave his only begotten son, this son that we're talking about, Jesus And he never sins, not once does he ever sin. He lives as the perfect lamb of God. That is the perfect lamb that our sin can be placed on him. The Bible says he takes our sin. He actually becomes our sin. Maybe we need to think about that today. The sin that nobody knows about. The sin you wish you could take back. The sin that haunts you in your soul. He became that sin. He takes it. God is just sin. It must be punished. It's not overlooked. It's not erased. It must be judged. It must be punished. And so he punishes it in Jesus. And so in the greatest act of love ever, Jesus as sin for your sin and for my sin is spat upon, is whipped across his back. In the greatest act of love ever, he is hammered, nailed to the cross of Calvary. He is nailed, he's stretched out, and he's nailed to the cross of Calvary for your sin and for my sin. In God's just judgment of sin. It's interesting, some of his last words there on that cross, it is finished. I am the work, there's nothing you can do. I'm the perfect Lamb of God. It is finished. The work is finished. The Bible says he dies. The Lamb of God had paid for sin. And he dies. He dies in pain. He dies in agony. He dies in shame. The baby of Bethlehem, it is, he dies. The boy at the temple of 12, he dies. The one that walked on water, the one that fed the multitude, he dies. A couple of his new friends, a rich man named Joseph and Nicodemus from chapter 3, they pull Jesus off of that cross. He's dead. His blood is drying on him. His body is lifeless. It's frail. There's no breath there. There's no voice. There's no voice that they'll ever hear there. Not in this body. It's dead. 
They place him in the grave. Three days pass. Three long, slow, quiet days. The Bible says, and then on the first day of the week, as the sun comes up, the sun stands up. And I want you to hear me today. He is alive. He is risen from the dead. The receipt is issued. The payment had been paid, but now the receipt is issued and salvation is secured in this event. Salvation is now offered and what you could never do, it is now done. What I could never do, it is now done. And our greatest need is now supplied in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in this one, in Jesus, hope now stands. Peace now stands. Joy now stands. Forgiveness now stands. Salvation now stands. Our future now stands. Eternal life now stands in Jesus. It is finished. He is the work of God. How disgusting to think we'd add something to that. It is finished Praise the Lord in Jesus. And then how do we receive it? In faith. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. We're saved in faith. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. This is your truth, not mine. This is your truth, not a religious system. This is your good news for sinners. Know the grace we see in it. Oh, the power we see in it. Oh, the love we see in it. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Lord, I pray for those that are hearing today that have never trusted you. I pray that in the hearing of this truth this day, this very day, they would quit burning and seeking the things that are temporary, the things that will burn out and never last. But today they would trust in you and your finished work. And they would be saved. Lord, help them. Lord, I pray for, for the hindrance to this being received. I pray it would be removed and I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. When I pray this goes out to a multitude of people today, I pray that salvation rings out for your glory. It rings out for your glory. Lord, I pray for us here that are believers today. I pray first off that we have been encouraged. I pray first off that we understand how loved we truly are. I pray that first off we see the sacrifice of a gracious, kind Savior. And I pray in the fruit of that that we would be urgent. In the fruit of that that we would be bold to tell others that are lost, that are hurting. I pray in the fruit of that that we would be able to live and to walk and to obey for your glory, for your namesake. Lord, I'm thankful for such a Savior. And I'm thankful for a finished work. And I'm thankful for you. I am. I'm thankful for you. I praise you. Lord, I pray in this time of invitation that you would move, that you would work, that you'd be glorified and known through it. We give it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, 
That's the gospel right there. That's the good news right there. If you'll receive that in faith, the Bible says, the sins of your past are not too big. No distance is too far. If you'll receive that in faith, the Bible says you shall be saved. You will be saved. You are saved. My call today is trust Jesus. Trust his finished work. Trust Jesus. Today, turn to trust Jesus. If you need more information, you come. Let's settle it. If you need to talk to somebody about it, you come. Let's settle it. The call this day is trust Jesus. If you're here and you've put your faith in Christ, but you never fought in believers' baptism, the Bible says it's always by immersion, always after we're saved, not before, as a testimony to what we believe of Christ. If you've never done that, you come as well. We'll set a day to be a great day of celebration, exalting our Savior, Jesus. Maybe you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God's led you here. Then you come as well. Together we'll serve his cause for his name, for his glory. Maybe on this day, the 30th day, on the Lord's day, you want to come and pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you're here and your heart's broken. Maybe it's breaking. I want to tell you, we have a kind and gracious God who, who tells us nothing is too small, nothing is too big. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar or pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir around, no one would head for an exit. But you pray for those that are making decisions. As we stand and sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you here.